Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Ushers and platform workers for that wonderful ministry this morning. Uh, If you brought your Bibles, if you can turn with me to two portions of the Scriptures, or if you don't have yours, you can read it on the screen, but don't take my word for it. Take the Word of God. Proverbs 16, verse 32, and then we'll look at Proverbs 28, 25, 28, 25, 28. I just wanted to remind you all that tonight, Joe Albert is going to be ministering uh, his his service, his farewell service before we send him off. Uh, So please, we want to invite you for that. He is going to Cambodia, all right? (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who, have, who would have ever thought uh, we would be sending a couple to the nation of Cambodia? Amen. There's a story about a very powerful king uh, who would go and conquer kingdoms. I mean, this man was a bad dude. He didn't just go out and send people out, but he went also on the battlefield himself. And uh, I just broke this. <laughs> but he went on the battlefield himself, and he would conquer these kingdoms and, you know, he, he, he did the work by himself, or not by himself, but with the people alongside him. And he was considered very brave. And one day, one of his servants who was older, he was frail, uh, he actually messed up. So he called him in and he proceeded to beat his servant. And he's beating him, he's beating him, he's angry at what happened, at this guy, he messed up. And in the process of doing that, this older man, his servant, slipped He fell, and he hit his head, and he ended up dying. And in this moment, he's looking at the servant. He's now dead, 
And the king had a revelation in that moment. And he said, I can conquer kingdoms and cities, but I can't seem to conquer my emotions. He says, I can win battles, but not the battle of my emotions. And our text here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, gives us some insight regarding our emotions. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than one who takes a city. Now the other side of the coin is Proverbs 25, verse 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Amen. So right, so back then, right, walls were extremely important. They kept the enemy out, right? They offered protection. And, you know, here, this is our first proverb talks about a man. Look, if you're slow to anger, he says, then you're better than the mighty, right? That you, he who rules his spirit, rather than one who takes the city. In other words, that there is something to be learned when we can control our emotions because the other side of the coin is if you don't have control over your emotions, he says that you are, you are like a city with broken down walls. Right? So if walls are broken down, then what happens? Then that city will then invite whoever to come in. Right? There's no walls there. Say, hey, just come on in. Just, you know, be, you know, anyone's allowed here. You can come and you can invite whoever you want in and they can, you know, come in, destroy the city or take over. And in our case, it could be our emotions, right? When we don't have a grip on our emotions, the Word of God says that you are like a city broken down without walls. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister your gospel this morning. I pray you help us to understand, God, the need, God, to have dominion over our flesh, over our emotions, Father. I pray, God, that you help us, God, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, God, that we would keep our emotions in check. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do here this morning. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to minister a sermon I've entitled this morning, Raging Emotions. And if you're taking notes, we're going to look at three things. One, emotions that are God-given. Secondly, the danger of uncontrolled raging emotions. And lastly, emotional control. But the question is this morning, is does God have emotions? Does God have emotions, right? And the answer is yes. God has emotions, right? He feels and he responds with emotions. I'm going to fire off some scriptures here uh, just to quickly demonstrate that God does have emotions. Uh, John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God. For what? For God is love. John chapter 3, verse 16, right? We all know the passage, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. What happened? God had the emotion of love for humanity. He also experiences hate. Proverbs 6, verse 16, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. 
He experiences grief. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, And the Lord was sorry or grieved that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. We have jealousy. Exodus 20, verse 5, You shall not bow down nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He experiences joy. Zephaniah 3, 17, For the Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you know that God also laughs? Psalms chapter 2, verse 4. He, uh, uh, the one who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He also has a sense of humor too. When you read in the Old Testament with uh, uh, the God of Dragon, he ends up like putting his hands and legs in different places. You know, he's got a sense of humor. He has compassion, right? We know the story, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is Jesus. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, that he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The heart of God was moved. He experiences sadness. John chapter 11, verse 35. Fun fact, shortest scripture in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Right, so we know that God experiences emotions just like you and I, but the difference is this morning that His emotions are in complete control, that they're incorruptible, that they are not like you and I. You and I have a flesh that can dictate our emotions, that can change how we feel, but God, on the other hand, they're incorruptible. Right? To say that God doesn't have emotions you know, uh, like you and I, you know, uh, uh, would be that he, that we would deny the fact that he possesses personality. But the truth is this morning that you and I are made in the image of God, that God has given humanity the ability, but also the capacity to feel and experience emotions, right? That we're not robots, we're not some program, but no, we have personality we have emotions genesis chapter 1 verse 26 then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and part of this likeness is the ability to display and experience emotion so the question is what does it mean to display emotion Right, like, what does that look like? Now, I'm gonna, I was gonna get off, I'll get off stage here. All right, hopefully whoever I throw this to can catch the ball properly. So y'all better be ready. All right, let's see here. Shoo! Right here, look at that. Give him a round of applause there. So, what happened? I threw the ball and he what? He caught it, he reacted. His flesh reacted to that ball that was being thrown at him. Just as how in the physical we can react to situations, this also happens on a spiritual level. In other words, when we experience emotion, that is a reaction from within. That is a reaction that our soul displays. Our soul reacts and experiences emotion. 
See, but you also have the other extreme, right? We have, we, we have people that are on two, or we, we can become like this too, where we have people that are extremely emotional, right? You're on one side of the spectrum, that everything to you is an emotional experience. You've got to be careful because this is where uh, a post-Christianity is birthed, right? It's all about your experience, right? The modern Christian, oh, it's all about how you feel. Oh, you know, I know the Word of God says this, but the Word of God is fluid. It's constantly changing throughout cultures. Like, no, the Word of God is truth. Truth does not change. We tell our children in our home, truth is what is real. Truth is reality. Truth does not change. But when you become an emotional creature, you're on one side. Everything is an emotional thing. That Everything becomes emotional in your life. That you react to everything emotionally. That's one extreme, but then you have the opposite extreme, right? Stone cold killer. Nothing bothers you. You're just complete, zero emotions. As two sides of the spectrum. The key is we need to find the balance. Do you know that cockroaches, well, we know they're nasty. Everyone can agree, man, I I hate cockroaches. I'm that guy, if a cockroach gets on me, I turn into Jackie Chan, man. I'm like, you know, I'm... Oh, bugs, cockroach, I don't do bugs, man. If I had to eat a bug for the children's thing, y'all would have a new assistant. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but no, cockroaches, they're, they're actually quite fascinating. That if you were to uh, uh, chop off a cockroach's head, it could actually continue living for days and even for weeks after they've been decapitated the reason why is because all their bodily functions, right, their blood pressure and uh, uh, circulation and respiration, it, it's not controlled by their brains at all. So because of that, they can feel and sense and appear whole, although they're headless, completely detached. What's even creepier is that the body can still roam around and function, but the head stays alive. That's wicked. That's why they're demonic. They need to be eradicated. God bless our pest control workers. (laughs) Seriously, man, those things are sick. But their heads will actually survive. The problem is that while the body is roaming around, right, it has no memory, it's roaming around aimlessly until it finally starves to death. The head, although it survives, right, its antennas are throbbing, it's picking up signals, stimuli. It's aware of its surroundings, but it can't go anywhere. It's unable to move. It's unable to make impact on the environment via you and I, thank God. But here you have two separate parts of the body, alive, yet has no effect. So often, many times, Christians can become like decapitated cockroaches what I mean is one some of us can walk around caught up in your feelings right you have the body there but you're you're aimlessly going through life responding through everything because of your feelings right you you deeply care about people you deeply care about issues you even interpret scripture and make assessments of God's will solely based on your feelings well this is how I feel about it you have, you know, circumstances and, you know, tough situations. Well, this is how I feel. Therefore, it's going to dictate every decision I make and how I respond to life. 
Right? That's one side. Then you have the other side where you're like the head, <laughs> just there by itself. You have tons of knowledge, right? You have you know, all this influence, or you have all of this knowledge and ability. You know a lot of things. You say, well, I'm just head-centered, that this is how I function. But yet you lack grace. You lack compassion. You lack empathy, the ability to relate to how somebody feels. In short, you lack God's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, Paul is speaking here to the church of Corinth. He says, look, although I speak with tongues of men and of angels and do a lot of Honda Robos, but I have not love, he says, I have become like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and the understanding of all mysteries and have knowledge, and though I have faith, he says, so I could move mountains, man, but I have not love. He says, I am nothing. But although I bestow all my goods and, and feed the poor, and although I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, he says, it profits me nothing. So it goes beyond just the function. He says, there has to be love involved in what I do and how I work with people. He says, because if I don't have the understanding of love and communicating to that other person, it doesn't matter the gospel that I preach. It doesn't matter how many times I tell someone Jesus loves you. If I don't show that Jesus loves them, then it means nothing. He says, I am like a clanging cymbal. I make a lot of noise, but have zero impact on the hearts of people. He says, I have to learn, I have to tell myself, does it matter if I would be a martyr? If I don't love people the way God loves them, it's pointless. He's, knowledge alone and the ability to function cannot have impact by itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 um, says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but what? Love edifies. That you have to, as a believer, think, respond, and react with your entire being, with both involved here. Not leaning just only to one side, just the mind, the knowledge, but also not being this emotional creature that everything uh, sways you because of circumstances and situations. That this is why God gave us emotions, right? Again, he created us in his likeness, in his image, as it says in Genesis 1.26, because it's a reflection of his being. And part of that, it gives us life. Right? It's what allows us also to respond and to take consideration. Right? It, it, it's like the, uh, um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I enjoy salt. That's why sometimes I'm a little bloated. <laughs> I like spices. I put cayenne pepper on everything I eat, and I just throw cayenne pepper on there. I'm always mixing spices. Uh, why? Because it adds flavor. I like the way, this is why I love Indian food too. It don't love me, you know, but I love it, though. <laughs> My body don't like it sometimes, but I love it. 
because I enjoy the different spices and flavors. Actually, they did a study, scientifically speaking, they did this in a lab. They were able to uh, figure out that scientifically speaking, Indian food actually has the most flavor out of any other food. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, you haven't tried my grandma's food. No, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's true. Google it when, when we're done. But the point is, spices and you know, ingredients, it, it, it adds life to a dish, right? Nobody, uh, sometimes we need, you know, we'll eat plain chicken if we're sick. But for the most part, it's right, I don't want just plain chicken, like marinated in some Italian dressing, you know, do something, add some spice to it, like, because we want to enjoy what we're eating. Emotions are like that spice of life. It helps us enjoy life. Our emotions can cause us to change our minds, right? to make decisions, whether good or bad. It can help us make adjustments that are needed in our lives and how we handle people, situations. I've shared this before, but I tend to do a lot of reflection, self-reflection at the end of my day. I'll look back, I'll replay events that took place, how I responded to someone, how I responded to my wife, to my children, and I can literally feel the same emotion that I felt in that moment. And if I don't like the way it felt, I'll tell myself consciously, tomorrow I'm going to make a conscious choice to not do that again. I'm going to make an adjustment. Lately I would realized I've been a little harsh on my children. Now, let me say, it's okay to be hard on your children, right? They need that. But there's a difference between hard and harsh, and I had been, I'll be honest with you, I've been a little, I guess, on edge lately with them, and any little thing would, would just irritate me. And I would get agitated over little things. And a couple nights back, I was thinking, and I was like, man, I, I really didn't like the way I responded to my son. I really don't like the way how quickly I was quick to just, you know, say something and just, you know, uh, just being a little harsh on them. So I told myself... I'm going to make adjustments. I'm not going to be so quick to respond emotionally just because, you know, they spilt water or this happened. Like, you just, hey, they're not robots. Yes, you're there to help them. You're there to be hard on them, right, to have that discipline. But you don't have to be so harsh about it. And I made an adjustment at night. I said, you know what, tomorrow I'm, I'm not going to be that way. Little did I know that that tomorrow would be the day my son almost died or got possibly very, very injured. My son this past weekend almost fell out of a, uh, a window out of a second-story building. It was the grace of God. Put his hand on the screen that was there. Um, he was standing on the ledge, and the screen fell, and how he didn't fall was a miracle. I was changing him at night. Uh, he had a a red line across his chest where he somehow, again, I mean, it'd be like if I was just here and I just fell, like your weight's going to go forward. You're going to fall. Two stories. The day before, I said, I'm going to change how I react with my son. And that whole day, I was very mindful of how I was reacting. And when it happened, all I could think about was, one, I was just, just had so much gratitude I mean, that was the grace of God. That was God's hand upon him. But I picture is like he, that happened, and I just picture 
the hand of God and the angel just grabbing him or something. I have no idea. I don't know. But I, all that night, I was just holding my son with gratitude. He was very sh- shooken up. I was holding him, just telling him I loved him. But the point is, prior to that, I allowed my inner self to reflect and change the way I was being. If something were to happen, if something had happened, I don't know how I would have gone through life, knowing how I had been as a parent and then losing my son or possibly him being badly injured. I don't know if I would have been able to process that correctly. Thank God I obviously made some adjustments. The point is we're not perfect beings. We have to be able to see when we are being, when we are allowing our emotions to dictate how we respond to situations and people. This is the danger, and look secondly, the danger of uncontrolled raging emotions. So we know that we have emotions like God, but there's one difference, and that difference is our heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It says, who can know it? Right, so it describes our heart as deceitful, as wicked, that this is the picture of the inner man. It's your thoughts, your emotions, and it's referring to, listen, those things can deceive you. Since those things are deceitful. So what are some of the ways that our, our heart can lie to us? Right, um, we've all experienced this before. We're passing by someone and all of a sudden, you know, they don't say hi to us. Oh, that person must hate me. All of a sudden, what's happening? Your emotions are going off check. You're experiencing anger. You're experiencing jealousy. You're beginning to experience bitterness all because of something that didn't even take place. No, what happened is they were probably in their own world and they were thinking about something they just didn't notice you. Okay, fine, I'll give it to you. They ignored you on purpose. It's yours. They did it on purpose. Now what? How are you going to respond? Right? Yeah, you can feel angry. I mean, if I went to shake someone's hand and they said, no, forget you, it's like, I'm going to be a little upset. (laughs) You're going to feel hurt. But you better learn to keep those emotions in check. Proverbs 14, verse 17, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Don't be so quick to react. The Bible says that that is foolishness. John Piper, I don't subscribe to him on every theological uh, position, but I read a quote by him that says, your emotions are a gauge, not a guide. I said, that is really good. I wish I would have thought of that. (laughs) He says, your emotions are a gauge, not a guide. There's so much truth to that statement. We're going to look at here the life of Cain. In Genesis chapter 4, we're going to see how Cain didn't control his emotions. It says in verse 1, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of his firstborn of the flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry 
and let his countenance fall. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for, he says, but you should rule over it. Here's that example that I said, okay, what if they did ignore you? God deliberately refused Cain's offering on purpose. So when someone does something that may be on purpose, how are you going to respond? How are you going to handle that? And here, God was telling Cain, look, do well. Will you not be accepted? He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, God put it all back on Cain. He said, what are you doing? But we know that his anger and emotion got the best of him, and God called him out for it. He said, look, he said, man, sin lies at the door. I know what, it, what emotions you're experiencing right now because uh, I felt it with your parents. <laughs> he said, but how are you going to respond? And instead he went and murdered his brother. He allowed his emotions to get the best of him. We have the story of Joseph, right? His brothers, we know the background where his brothers, man, they hated Joseph, man. They saw him and just, they were overcome with anger and bitterness because Joseph seemed to have it all put together, man. His life, he had the coat of many colors. I mean, he had favor with his dad and, you know, all these things. He had this great relationship and his brothers were like, well, what about us? Right, so it says here in Genesis 37, verse 8, Now when they saw him, Joseph, afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, Look at this dreamer coming. In other they despised his blessing. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into the pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams, right? So what emotions did his brothers display, right? They displayed jealousy, man, they were angry, hatred, bitterness, and all of this manifested in their hearts that later manifested outwardly. Why? Because they could not keep their emotions in check. And all of a sudden now they're, they're going, they're attacking their own brother. This happens in churches all the time. Not ours, not ours, but it, it happens in, in the other churches, the one down the street over there. Not here. All right, we don't attack our brothers and sisters because of something that's, that's the other people. Right? The Bible gives us many people that wore their emotions on their sleeve. King Saul, very emotional creature, person. Moses, right? he dealt with anger, hitting the rock when God says, I told you to speak. King David, God was an emotional roller coaster. One day it's I'm a worm, right, and this and that, and, and the next day, God, you know, you formed my inner man. You know all these things. He's up and down, up and down. Read Psalms. Samson, Eve, she couldn't control her appetites. Jezebel, strong desires, right, of anger and and, and control. She was manipulative. She was violent. We have Peter. One of Jesus' right-hand disciples was a, an emotional wreck at times. He was at times unstable in his, in his life, right? One moment he's, you know, I, 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 I had this revelation on how one moment he's walking on water, right? We all know that. And the next moment he's drowning in fear. 
Matthew 14, verse 28 says, Right, and Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water, go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind that was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. It said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When I read that, I said, Man, there's, there's some... I, I believe Jesus was trying to show Peter something about himself. In other words, him sinking externally was an indication of who he was as an unstable person. Right? One moment walking on water, next moment drowning. One moment you would see Peter doing good, and the next one he's chopping off some guy's ear, denying Christ. Right? He, was, he was all over the place at time. And I believe Jesus was trying to show him through what he was doing here by having him walk on water. He's saying, Peter, this is who you are. You are someone who is unstable. And the truth is, we all can identify with all these people because we have a fallen nature, a.k.a. the flesh. And when your emotions are left unchecked, they're going to dominate your life. Right? Your decisions can lead to harmful consequences, the destructions of, of, of you know, relationships. When you have your emotions unchecked and you respond to everything on an emotional level, you have impaired decision-making, right? a, cloudly, a cloudly judgment because everything is produced through your emotions, that you respond through everything quickly because of how you feel, because of what that person did that you didn't like, so you respond with your emotions. It causes damaged relationships. Well, that person didn't meet my requirements, and that person didn't do that. That person didn't say hi to me. That person didn't do that. And all of a sudden, you make a choice that damages a relationship, a.k.a. Cain and Abel. It can bring about, when you're an emotional creature, person, physical and mental health issues. Right? High blood pressure because you live in fear and anxiety. You can have a weakened immune system. So many issues come when you live a life that is led by your emotions when you're on this other side. So let's look at, as we close, emotional control. Right? So what do we do? Let's just all become Stoics. Right? Let's all be on the other side. Stoicism is one of ancient Greek... Um, philosophies is the practice of focusing on what individuals can control and accepting what they cannot control. And how is this accomplished? Zero emotion. Or you don't respond to anything that happens negatively. You choose not to respond to that. It's very close in its beliefs to um, Buddhism. The Stoics believe that, um, that the God is the Logos, but not the logos like Jesus, what we believe. In other words, it's, it's all-encompassing universe and creation, that it's in everything. So you have, you know, being a Stoic. But on the other hand, you also have something called Epicureanism, which promotes feeling and comfort. Two different schools of thought and uh, uh, mindsets, Epicureanism and being a Stoic. Did you know that Paul preached to these two types of philosophies. I had always read this scripture, but I never made the connection that, man, this, this was pretty cool. So it says here, Acts chapter 17, verse 18. Then a certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, 
and said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he has preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, uh, 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 may we know this new doctrine of what you speak for you are bringing strange things to our ears therefore we want to know what these things mean for all of the Athenians and the foreigners uh, 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 who were there spent their time and nothing else but to tell or hear of some new thing. Then Paul and stood in the midst of Areopagus and said men of Athens I perceive that you are very religious for as I was through the passing of the consideration of the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and of earth, does not dwell in temple made by hands. So here Paul is preaching to Stoics and Epicureans. People that have zero emotion and people that are completely emotional beings. And he's saying, what you need is Jesus. You're trying to live your life a certain way, either one emotionless or one too emotional. He says, but that's not how you live your life. You need Jesus Christ. He says, you're looking for emotional control in the wrong areas of your life. Remember, when, God, uh, uh, when Cain had experienced anger, the emotion of anger, God checks him and says, listen, Cain, you need to get a grip on your emotions. You need to rule over it. In other words, you need to have dominion that your emotions report to you, but they don't dictate you. In other words, when something happens, your emotions report, hey, William, I'm angry right now. You're angry. Okay, that's great, but I'm not going to stay in that. In other words, my emotions don't dictate me. They report to me. And God was telling Cain the same exact thing. Don't let your emotions rule over you, but rule over them. It's okay to be angry, but don't allow it to manifest into bitterness. Right? And I'm just dealing with anger, but it, it, it applies. It's, it's a fundamental principle, principle to every emotion. Learn to respond and not react to situations where your emotions try to get the best of you, but allow the Spirit of God to work in you to produce self-control. Galatians 5, as we close, 22-33 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, Against such there is no law. Right, so he starts off with love, lists a bunch of good things, and then at the end he sandwiches off with self-control. Love, inward, right, emotion, self-control, being you can think and choose how you're going to respond. When you have these two things in your life, you can bear all the fruits of the Spirit the way God has intended you to be. That you can pray and ask God, God, bring me to a place of emotional maturity and stability. That God, I want to bear these fruits of the Spirit in my life. You know, the truth is, fruit is, you know, it's, it's attractive. It, it, it nourishes. Notice, 
in Galatians 19, right before he talks about uh, this, uh, he, says, he says here, now the works of the flesh, or in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and he begins to list all the works of the flesh. But notice how it says the works. That's in a plural form. He says works, does a big list. But look at what he says in the next verse in our text, Galatians 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, lists a bunch of things. It's not plural. Now, why is that? He said the works of the flesh, but then he says the fruit of the Spirit, not being, again, in its plural form. Fruit is singular here. In other words, he's trying to show that in the big picture, to produce love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, to produce all these things, the single thing that you need is the Spirit of God. In order to have all those things manifest in your life, you need one thing, and that is the Spirit of God must be present in order to hold all these things together in your life. I want to show you a picture. We've all seen raspberries and uh, blackberries. Do you know that it's filled with a P, raspberries? I had no idea. <laughs> I was typing raspberries. I was like, why is it autocorrecting me? No, there's a P. Anyways, that's just fun. food for thought. <laughs> but here we have raspberries and blackberries. And you see those little balls that are called droplets. They're, they're each little seeds. And it makes all those little droplets make up one fruit. It's all held together by one stem. So many of the fruit of the Spirit, all those things, are held together by one thing. That is the Spirit of God. That when you have the Spirit of God residing in you, you can bear all the fruit of the Spirit because God is with you. God is in the center that's holding it all together. The Holy Spirit produces one kind of fruit, and that is Christ-likeness. That through Christ, you can bring peace to your raging emotions. Amen. That's all I have this morning. If we can have every head bowed, every eye closed in reverence to God. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.